we turn once again to the Ten Commandments is found in Levitic or in Exodus chapter twenty. Also, it is found they are found in Deuteronomy chapter five. The exact wording in both passages regarding the third commandment, Exodus twenty and verse seven. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Last week we looked at the precept, the corresponding precept of the third commandment, which is, Hallowed be thy name. That we are to take up the name of God in a reverent, in a truthful, in a purposeful manner. This, this morning we look at the, prohibit, the prohibition form as is found in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. We saw that God was a revealing God and that He gives us His names. He's a loving God and that He interacts with us as we would give our name to someone and they would get to know us and that is our way of loving and interacting with people. And the third point that I did not get to last week is that God is a threatening God. He is a revealing God, a loving God, but He's also what we might say is a dangerous God. He is a God who is unsafe. when you cross Him, when we transgress His words. And you see the, the, uh, the two commandments, numbers 2 and 3, do give serious threats. We're told in the second commandment that we're not to make any graven images, uh, to bow down and worship them. He goes on to say that that he visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate him. And the third commandment, he says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless. He kind of reverses it in a negative sense. The Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Three thoughts about the fact that God is a dangerous God. We are to see that side as well. He is an unsafe God for transgressors. God takes up His name. He declares His name is immensely holy. Secondly, He prohibits, He threatens those who misuse His name or who trifle with His name. And thirdly, He punishes. It's not a mere threat. He punishes those who take His name in vain. Perhaps you've seen the logo and it should offend us. OMG. It's a very blasphemous symbol. It is so prevalent, taking God's name is so prevalent today that they have actually given it a symbol. And you see it all over the place. Though... I guess I've been um, honestly naive 
it hasn't been that long since it hit me that that's what it meant. And I've asked your prayers for um, students that I drive that the Lord would help me when they take God's name in vain. And there's one particular student that has been doing it often. And I wanted to wait until this student was alone on the bus before I talked to her. And she exits the bus with someone else and I didn't want to, to, to uh, uh, speak until she was alone. Well, the day came where the other person was not in school that day. And the whole ride uh, home from Hamburg to Springville, she's the last one to get off the bus, I was praying for what to say. And I used this expression. I said, do you know what OMG stands for? And she reacted, unlike me for a long time, absolutely. She, she obviously, like I was asking what 2 plus 2 was. And I said, well, do you know that that is an offense to God? It's, it's misusing His name. It's taking His name in vain. I said, I have had to ask God to forgive me for misusing His name. And I'm asking you to be very cautious about how you use His name. And frankly, there was a smirk on the face and she left. But it's interesting. I was awaiting perhaps the supervisor giving me a call into the office the next day. It didn't happen. But actually, the student was somewhat humble uh, the next time um, I saw her. And I would ask your prayers for her and her family. There's no doubt that she shared that with her, her family. And perhaps the Lord will touch them. Actually, they go to a religious school. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Well, at least a surprise from a bus driver in the public school system. It might be a surprise. But I ask your prayers. It's so prevalent. Little children on the elementary run. I take 35 children on the elementary run. It's just amazing. I can't really hear what's going on too far back. But even in the front seats, I'm constantly having to remind them that God's name is holy. But many of them, the concept of God is, is unclear. But it's a habitual transgression in our day. I, I don't think I can say that it's the commandment that's most transgressed, but it is transgressed not just in English-speaking countries. I have spoken with, with people who are from Germany and from France, and they say the exact same thing. You don't ever see OMD, do you? Oh, my devil. Does anybody ever say that? Or put another name there. It doesn't happen. It's a smearing campaign by the devil who from the very beginning has taken God's name in vain. Doth not God know that if you uh, eat from this tree, you'll be like Him? He, you will not surely die. He profaned His words. He profaned His name. And ever since, He has been teaching, infecting mankind with this invective with with this blasphemy the third commandment is prohibition is in a prohibition form and is universally relevant and it's up to date after all isn't it god anticipated the fall of man to think that he would include this as one of the commandments ponder that a whole commandment is about the use of god's name he anticipated that the extent of the fall would include such ugly sins as atheism, 
polytheism regarding the first commandment, idolatry, the second commandment, the invention of protocols to God, the second commandment, but the misuse and the abuse of His great and glorious names, the third commandment. Again, it's a universal smear campaign that the devil began in the Garden of Eden for man to take the Lord's name in vain. And I again state, God is a dangerous God. That is certainly revealed by the fact that He says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Are there more, any more ominous words than that? And firstly, he has lifted up his name that it is immensely holy. See, God takes up his name. He uses his name in Scripture. It's a revelation to you and me. He takes his name to every good purpose. The Bible says He is the high and the lofty one whose name is holy. And that is the only attribute in name. See, it's, it's a name. His name is holy and it's an attribute. So a name is not just a proper name. A name is a, a reputation, a revelation of the person's uh, Honor, testimony. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It speaks of His separateness from all His creatures, whose name is holy, who dwells in the high and the holy place. His separateness and His sinlessness. It's really telling us the why of worship. Why are we to worship? Because He's an immensely holy being. It further develops, certainly, who is God, the first commandment. But ponder who this God is. He's the God who made heaven and earth, the seas and all these things that are in them. He made the heavens and the earth. What have we made? Skyscrapers? They don't even touch His feet. He made the heavens and the earth. An immensely holy God. He made the stars. That seems to be an afterthought in Genesis 1. He made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and He made the stars also. Think about that. It's like, yeah, I'll make the stars also and all the galaxies. I mean, it's just incredible to ponder this is the God that is real and the God who has revealed Himself to you and me and the God who loves us and the God who commands us. He commanded the, the stars to be made and to, to shine. He commands the sun and the moon. He commands creation. And He commands you and me and we say, no. How can it be? He's the God who made man in His image. He's the God who drowned the world in the universal flood. He's the God who invented languages. He's the God who caused an 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to see a child born into their family. He's the God who de devastated Egypt with ten plagues. 
and slew all their firstborn. He's the God that turned a woman into a statue. The God who helped a man down a giant with a slingshot. The God who killed 185,000 soldiers in a moment. The God who rained fire down from heaven to incinerate cities. The God who commanded bees to chase His enemies. The God who sent rebels alive into hell. The God who caused a virgin to bear a child. The God who directed birds to feed a prophet. The God who raises the dead. Who guided a fish to swallow and vomit a man. This is the God that commands us not to take His name in vain. This is the God who in an incredibly wicked world took humanity into an untying weld and never ever sinned, thought, word, and deed in a wicked world. Not even one lie did Jesus tell. Not one theft. Not one lustful thought. Not one wasted minute. Not one bad word. Not one sinfully angry outburst. Not one act of disobedience to His parents as a child, a teen, or an adult. Isn't that incredible? This is the God who says, do not trifle with My name. He is a dangerous God. He holds His name in high esteem. And He calls His Son the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. This is the one that commands us not to lift up any reference to Him thoughtlessly, aimlessly, casually, or angrily. Who commands us to lift up His name reverently, joyfully, trustingly, lovingly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. What an awe-inspiring name. He lifts it up. And shows us how great a name He has. And so God lifts up His name as, as immensely holy. Therefore, we are not to take it in vain. Secondly, God prohibits trifling with His name. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What does it mean? To take is to lift up, to use. In vain means to use in an empty way. As if he's nothing, to lift it up lightly, to lightly esteem his name. It's a serious command. It's law, brother and sister, friend. It's a rule. It's a directive. It's a dictate. It's meant to jar our wills and our minds. It's meant for us to think before we speak, to pause before we pray to study before we affirm, to repent before we preach, to remember before we eat and drink. He's saying no trespassing. You know, if, if even a friend of a, of a judge walked into the court that was in session, what would be said to him if he said to his, the judge, Hey Peter, or Hey Jim, he would be held in contempt of court. And yet, 
God is in session, brother and sister. God is seated on His throne. And yet how often you have people angrily take His name in vain and and call Him such belittling names. He's holding them in contempt of court. He is the... If a judge in the, in, in, in the earth is to be called your honor, how much more your honor. Him that honors me, I will honor. As in the courts of man, you don't saunter into court. You come quietly, reverently, and take your seat and wait until you're called. You know, in this room here years ago, when they had the, the, the town uh, in this building and they put this platform here for the judge to sit on his, on his seat. And this was a room where they had court in session. Upstairs in those days there were sliding doors so you, everything could be shut. You could not see what was inside the balcony. Well, they were, among other items, there was an item of a man that lived in Boston that just apparently had, had a situation that was needing to be changed. I don't know exactly what it was, but I think it had to do with something to the effect of horses in the house. I don't remember, but in any case, his, his court, his case came up. And whether or not it was, it was, it was, uh, uh, right or wrong for the case to come up, it, he, he was told that his case was going to appear in those days. Well, he made his way without them knowing it, apparently from the basement, up the stairs and into the balcony, waiting for his name as the, as an, as the next item. And when they said, now the, the next item of business is Mr. So-and-so's, and they looked, they couldn't see him, he opened the doors... And he had come in with his boots on that were full of mud. And he jumped from the balcony to the floor. And he made his way up. And you called. Sauntered into the place. We know, because the lady that lived next door that passed away cleaned this building. And she had to clean all the mud and the, and the grease and, the, and any, any uh, manure that had been on his boots. He was in contempt of court, to say the least. And yet, you think about the fact that today, on the Lord's Day, even in houses of worship, people are coming in any old way, sauntering in, we're, we're rushing into His presence, or mindlessly speaking of things that are not honoring to Him. And we think it's just out there that God's name is taken in vain when it's in the very public worship services even among His people. No trespassing is His word. A holy protocol is required to approach and represent this holy God. He's God in His glory. He's the King in His beauty. He's the judge on His throne. No wonder why He gives eight of the ten commands as prohibitions. Because we're rebels. Think about it again in the Garden of Eden. To unfallen man, He gave him a precept before He gave him 
a prohibition. You may eat from every tree, but you must not eat from this one tree. And then he goes on to say, you may name all the creatures. You may take one wife. You may dress and keep the garden full of precepts, full of positives. No wonder why the Ten Commandments are written the way they are to fallen man. Because we need no trespassing signs versus welcome signs. We need stay off the grass instead of fresh grass signs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the chief part of wisdom. God is an unsafe God. He is a dangerous God if we cross Him. He takes up His name as immensely holy. And He is a God who prohibits trifling with His name. And you say, can you give me some examples of trifling with His name? And you can find this probably in many sermons on the internet. These are some sample examples of profaning God's name. Levity. Taking His name in a frivolous way. For instance, in a joke. God's name should never, ever be in a joke. And yet, perhaps you've heard preachers who begin a sermon by at the cost of God's name. A joke about His omnipotence or His omniscience. Oh, brother and sister, levity is a way that we take God's name in vain. Sorcery. It's not a third world sin only. It's a first world sin. Incantations in the occult practice. Do you know Balaam used God's name to try to curse Israel? As a magical charm, people use God's name and Jesus' name as if they're charms to ward off evil. That's sorcery. Perjury, thirdly. Confirming falsely with an oath. Leviticus 19.12 says, we're not to swear by God's name falsely, nor to profane His name. And yet in court, people will say, I swear by the Bible, which is swearing upon His name, His words, His reputation, and then go ahead and and lie. That's perjury. Lying under oath. And that's particularly the way the ninth commandment is is written. Thou shalt uh, not bear false witness. Notice it's written in a court language. It doesn't say thou shalt not lie, though that is... True, it's given in a court language. Bear false witness. Bearing false witness is perjury. Fourthly, blasphemy. Reviling and having a contempt for God's name. Like we read earlier in Leviticus 24, this man had an Egyptian father, and the language is his Egyptian father is dead, is deceased. His mother's a widow. And he's fighting with another man in camp. And I don't know if he was losing or he was just angry. He just It says that he cursed, blasphemed. He used God's name in an angry way as a contempt for God. 
Jesus speaks about speaking against the Holy Spirit, attributing to the devil the work of the Spirit, holding God to be worthless and despicable, even to live a life as if God did not exist. Do you realize that that's taking God's name in vain? To live a life as if He didn't exist, to fail to worship Him, is not to hold His name in regard. To treat God as unimportant. That's blasphemy. Reviling God. Fifthly, apostasy. The use of God's name to depart from the faith. Or to say, I, the Lord told me to do this and He didn't. It's apostasy. It's turning away from the truth. It's leading others away from the truth. The health-wealth gospel. Bringing in damnable heresies in the Lord's name. Where the way of truth is blasphemed, Peter said. It's not remote in the Christian church. Do you know the day's going to come where people are going to stand before Christ and say, Lord, Lord, did not we do these things in your name? That's, they were apostates. I never knew you. Who are you? Lord, they say. Lord, Lord, we know you. They're taking His name in vain. They're not using His name appropriately. Hypocrisy. Turning grace into lasciviousness. A cloak of maliciousness using God's name to rob people in churches. A cloak of covetousness. Swearing, then going to worship. Sanctimonious worship. In other words, we, we sing God's name and we pray God's name and we read God's name, but on Monday through Saturday, we are different. We should be consistent on the Lord's Day and the rest of the week. We confess our sins to the Lord, but there's a difference. Are we hypocrites? We put a mask on on Sundays and we take it off. Right after church, hypocrisy. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Last but not least, profanity. The irreverent use of God's name. OMG, the bursts that people use God's name, whether it be passionately in a joke, when they're surprised, when they're angry, when they're joyful. I have to be careful when I tell someone something that is going to be a surprise to them or something that is out of the ordinary because I'm expecting that kind of response. And I think I told you about the survey that a church was conducting in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, a, a, a bastion for Protestantism and, and true religion. If it happens there, it happens everywhere. They were taking a little survey and they were seeing some children in the neighborhood. Have you ever heard of Jesus? That's the word my daddy uses when he's mad. It's all he knew about the name Jesus. His daddy was taking it in vain. It's universal. 
The whole world lies in the wicked one's hands. You can't go to a store, to a park, to a business, to a school, to a church, to turn on a TV or a radio or use of the internet without hearing and seeing the name of the Lord taken in vain. The theater. I told you about the man that made a covenant with his wife and his children. We turn on a film on the television or go to a theater, wherever it is, if the Lord's name is taken in vain, it's shut off immediately. Do we have such guts? It's rampant also among children. It's a substitute for expletives using God's name. Think about what people call mince oaths. Where do you think G-E-E-Z comes from? J-E-E-Z. G-O-S-H. You see it on people's lawns. This one man went somewhere as a missionary. I think it was here. And he said he wasn't here a day. And he drove past the lawn and he read on the sign, Lordy, Lordy, someone is someone is 40. It's taking God's name in vain. He's the Lord of all. Or my heavens. Or how often you hear people say H-E-L-L no. It's taking God's name. The places that He is created. Everything that represents what God has done and what God is. God prohibits trifling with His name. Oh, brother and sister, we cannot be too careful. God is a dangerous God. He's unsafe. Remember about the lion? He said, is He safe? Oh, He's not safe, but He's good. And thirdly, God threatens and punishes the transgressors of His law. He threatens. It's no mere threat. He says, as it were, or else, I will not hold him guiltless that taketh my name in vain. In the second commandment, he's visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. In this command, it says he's kind of reversed it as a surprise visit. The Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to leave him unvisited. I'm not going to leave the profane, the blasphemer, unpunished. There's going to be no acquittal. He will not acquit the wicked at the last day. He will hold him guilty. He will be liable to punishment. Your sins will find you out. Your foot shall slide in due time. And yet he doesn't tell us here what exactly he means by these punishments. The question comes, what visitation? What punishment? What are the consequences? As if man would ask daringly, do you really want to know? As it were, it's TBA. To be announced. But we read together what happened. The Lord gives a sampling of what happens. Ultimately, the man took God's name in vain. 
And Moses, they didn't know what to do. They, they, they put him in jail. They put him in ward, we're told. And they wondered what the Lord... Moses apparently was in the tabernacle and they told him what happened. And they put him in jail. And i got to ask the Lord. I'm not sure what his reaction... They hadn't unpacked all those things. And even after that, he unpacked some other things. As they lived, they found out when transgressions took place, how they were to deal with them. And the Lord made it clear. He said, those who hurt Him, who are responsible to rebuke Him, put their hands on His head first. But take Him outside the camp. What a picture of eternal damnation. Outside the camp. Where they had the trash heap. And Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom, was the place where they took their trash and there was constantly burning They always had a place outside the camp wherever they moved. And they said, those that heard Him stone Him to death. You don't want to know ultimately. Oh, we don't see people stoned for taking God's name in vain, but God doesn't have any less feelings for it. One time I looked up on the internet Curiously, last words of people before they died, whether it be execution or some other way on a deathbed, do you know there was one that said, I'm curious to discover what happens if I die unprepared. And let it be like that. Can you imagine? Well, again, brother and sister, let us look at the sampling of what God did to those who were blasphemers. You ever heard of the ten plagues? You ever heard of a petrified woman? God changed the language of people. He sent bees after the nations that forgot God. Snake bites. Thick darkness. A flood that reached over the top of the highest hills. Flies. He opened the ground where there's a sampling of people in their bodies apparently in hell, just like there's a sampling of people with their bodies in heaven. The stoning of that blasphemer. Leprosy upon Miriam. He sent two angry bears after blaspheming young people. Oh, the groans of a lost soul. You see, there is forgiveness of this sin. Jesus died for our sins. You don't want to find out what the reaction might be. Thank God if our blasphemy is followed by guilt, if it's followed by temporal punishments, temporal chastenings, where God gets our attention and shows us that He will not hold us guiltless who take His name in vain. He convicts believers of doing so. Thank God for the effectual warnings in the Bible. The man on the cross was casting, castigating the Lord, taking His name in vain. And all of a sudden, the Lord convicted him and showed him the glory of His name. Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Thy kingdom. He went from being a blasphemer to being born again. Saul was taking the name of Jesus in vain, calling Him 
a false prophet. And Jesus spoke to him from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I know someone that had a boss that took the Lord's name in vain. And very kindly, he pleaded with his boss not to take the Lord's name in vain. And his boss said, I'll take anyone's name on my lips that I desire. You know, he died of cancer of the tongue. You see, God shows some samplings of what He does, what He can do to those who trifle with His name. He sends some warning shots across the bow, like Leviticus 24, to show us that He is an incredibly holy God. He forbids trifling with His great name. And that He will punish transgressors of His law. Thank God He's punished Christ for my blasphemy and profanity and levity and apostasy. Christ was punished for our sins. You know where they punched Him? In the mouth. Because out of our mouths came blasphemy and profanity. And Jesus was punched and slapped in the face, suffering for my sins against the third commandment. And if Jesus would suffer, if God would not spare His own Son, who had blasphemy debited to His account, how shall He spare those who died daringly without Christ? Run to Christ is the solution. Flee to Christ. He not only can save you, change your heart, He can change your language. Where once we spoke with blasphemy, when the Lord saves us, as the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is to the use of edifying, that it may give grace to the hearers. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Hallowed be thy name.